So hello, and welcome to Talking Solutions. This is a 10th podcast from the Association for Solution-Focused Hypnotherapy. I'm Sally Hare. And I'm Trevor Eddles, and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Today, we're really pleased to have Adam Eason with us. So welcome, Adam, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to have you. So Adam Eason has been a clinical hypnotherapist. His first qualifying in 1997. He's lectured on Bournemouth University's MSc Hypnosis in Research, Medicine and Clinical Practice, and is founder and principal of the Anglo-European College of Therapeutic Hypnosis. He continues to conduct research into hypnosis and cognitive functioning at Bournemouth University's psychology department, and has written published peer-reviewed journal articles and books, including Hypnosis for Running and The Science of Self-Hypnosis, The Evidence-Based Way to Hypnotise Yourself. He runs the UK Hypnosis Convention, and is co-founder and director of education for the UK Hypnotherapy Council, the UKHC. Okay. Um, among your specialities, you mentioned there's advanced mindset for endurance sports. That, along with your book on running, is what we'd like to focus on today. So hypnotherapy to improve sporting performance. In your opinion, what percentage of an athlete's performance is down to the training they've done and what percentage is down to their mindset? And can, can you give us some examples to illustrate that? One of the things that I found to be uh, the, the most exciting applications of, of hypnosis, for example, with, with sporting is its ability to, to influence and affect perception of, of effort. Um, um, and uh, so, so even, when, um, even when the same amount of, of effort is being pl- applied, um, um, hypnosis has, a, has an ability uh, in order to be able to, 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 to alter the, the, the individual's perception of that. Um, it's something which which a lot of elite athletes do automatically more specifically onto onto your question you you might you might think at first that i'm just sort of sidestepping it a little bit but um, um, it it is rare for any athlete to to be able to absolutely outperform their training you know so um um um, someone who has trained to run a sub five hour marathon um typically doesn't go and run a sub three hour marathon um um, at the event you know um or someone who's training to to squat their own body weight in the gym uh really then squats double their body weight when they when they reach testing um however i think you know most athletes will accept that that they'll usually perform better than their training when they get to competition you know adrenaline and excitement and and also their training would have aimed for them to peak in their competition um but but you know um the the question is potentially you know a slight false dichotomy because but you know when you're working with athletes um we we're working with their mindset um during and for their training as well not just equipping them with the tools for a, a competitive event of some kind so you know so for example you know um, applying an effective you know motivating mindset so that they're treating training um um it, it you know it, it in a healthy and effective way you know equipping people with with mental imagery skills you know cognitive strategies a wide range of other approaches um, um in order to help them train better and achieve more during their training um and, and the idea is then that, that that has a, a direct knock-on effect in competition or a sporting event so I, I think their mindset and the things that we work with can be classified as part of the training that they have done all of that said, to, to try and n- no longer dodge your question, <laughs> um, 
uh, you know, performance on the day is greatly affected by mindset. Um, you know, we all will have seen um, televised, you know, big final points on, on the serve uh, where, where people have malfunctioned or the final hole uh, on a golf course. Or when I was when I was a boy, the latest I was ever allowed to stay up was was back in 1985 in the World Snooker Final, the championship final, where um, um, the undefeatable, it seemed, reigning world champion was a man called Steve Davis. Um, and and they and it was this TV um, footage. You know, it was watched by 19 million viewers past midnight, and um, and and it all came down to the final black in the final frame. Um, and Dennis Taylor uh, was playing against Steve Davis, and Steve Davis had this chance to you know pop the final ball in the final frame, um, and, and he missed it. You know, it was bread and butter for him ordinarily. So you know, um, um, the, the the scenario you know that the, the pressure on 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 players on sports people on athletes you know directly impacts and affects so i think you know um, um the, the mindset and the influence of the mindset what will, will will sometimes be determined upon the conditions which they're under um um uh, uh, but you know I, I would absolutely say that performance on 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 a, a competition and performance in 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 you, you know the, the event itself that they've worked towards will will be greatly influenced by mindset. A, a, an exact percentage, um, um, I, I probably I probably couldn't give you, um, but um, 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 you, you know I think I think um, 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 hopefully I'll be able to share a few ideas of some some kind of tools and interventions and things that people use throughout this this conversation that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. <laughs> it's funny you mentioning that Steve Davis missing. I'd completely forgotten about that, but when you, I suddenly remembered it. It'd been buried in my mind. Yeah, for... <laughs> he, he, his, he put his hand on his forehead afterwards. <laughs> um, I really liked him because he had red hair, um, and I realised that he wasn't very, you know, massively charismatic, and used to have the fun poked out of it. But I was really rooting for him. Yeah, afraid... yeah, I think yeah, he was the under, underdog's underdog. <laughs> so, how important do you think it is for? Sports people to have you know, really clear goals in order to succeed. I mean, how can you help them to keep those goals uppermost in their mind? Well, you know, I think it's vitally important. Um, um, it, it's certainly at the crux of, of a lot of the things, a lot of the work that I do. You know, I work with a lot of athletes, um, um, both sort of club level and novice level and and elite level. Um, you know, the, the very first time that I ever ran London Marathon, for example, back in 2001, you know, um, one of the things you find when, you, when you're running marathons is, you know, people, people are very rarely interested in much else other than the time you're going to finish it in. Mm-hmm. When you get onto ultra marathon, people just are impressed that you finish uh, but with marathons everyone wants to know you know what time you're going to do and then there's potentially quite a lot of pressure and I remember saying to someone oh, I'm not sure I just want to get around um, and he said and, and he smirked and said you know well you're going to be hanging around with all the the comedy runners uh, in their in their costumes and so on and, and, and this really worried me you know I tended to be and, and still tends to be one of those people you know I don't just do sports for fun mm-hmm. um, you know I need to know that I'm doing well quite competitive um, and and crossing the line with 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 a guy you know having my finishing photos with a guy dressed as a banana for example just wasn't the thing that was mm-hmm. that was going to appeal to me so um um you know um, um having having a, a target um having a target having a goal 
um, uh, you know, th then then mobilizes your training, um, having a desired outcome firmly lodged in your mind, um, um, you know, helps you helps you strategize in a number of ways and, and across all sports, um, you know, with with, with, with the, the weightlifting and CrossFit type of events that I do today. Um, I'm absolutely, you know, people need to be to be goal focused, you know, real elite athletes will have outcome goals you know where they want to finish in the race you know that they want to they want to win or you know they want to finish in front of someone else or we want to win the league or we want to get to the semi-finals at least you know some people will look at look at process goals you know how they perform and and look at kind of technical aspects of their sport for example but the vast majority of us are, are going to be looking at performance goals you know things that are set related <laughs> to our own level of ability um you know running our own personal best or, or or running a sub you know sub three hour marathon or, or, or whatever it may be um the vast majority of athletes you know do tend to use some form of goal setting as a way of enhancing their performance um, um very few tend to be you know um, um, effective and apply really evidence-based um, um approaches to it you know um of course it, it focuses it directs the individual it makes training a lot easier um um, and but a lot of people lack effective systems um, um, or or you know lack the time or find it a bit stressful or get tired or whatever it may be um um so you know um um having goals will, will direct attention it will mobilize effort it will enhance their persistence and so on you know um enable them to learn new learn you know new strategies with their sport you know technically but you know, ultimately, um, that th they're really important for for all of those reasons, and and the way to derive the best from it is for them to be specific. You know, I don't want to teach people to suck eggs and start talking about the the way to set smart goals, but but some of those those principles of of being you know specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and 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 time bound or trackable, for example, really do make a lot of sense. Um, um but that. Um, um, any goal ought to be challenging to a good level of difficulty, but ultimately attainable. You know, um, mm. things that are too difficult can be, um, um, you know, if, if you've never run a marathon before and perhaps, you know, you're starting out with it being an aid to reducing your weight, you know, um, um, it would probably be unrealistic to, to aim to, to, to go sub two hours, which no other human being has ever done. But funnily <laughs> enough, this very week, um, the world record for marathon running was was beaten, you know, two hours and 35 seconds, which is just crazy. Um, um, you know, what, 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 what an immense athlete. But, you know, so so um, um, but but, you know, getting them written down, uh, remembering that, you know, Rocky Balboa always had a picture of his opponent on his mirror. Uh, that he could grimace and wince at uh, to remind him of his goals and his outcomes uh, in all of the Rocky films, um, um, you know, uh, but 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 also then, you know, helping people with regards to their goals, you know, psychologically um, with 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 self hypnosis, with with hetero hypnosis, um, um, you know, we, we we embed, you know, memories of the future, which is you know, ultimately just you know, um, people stepping into future versions of themselves, achieving their goals and becoming familiar with their goals, becoming familiar with um, um, th th those outcomes and, and readying their mind for them. So, yeah, you know, I, I think they're really important and, and understanding that the science behind the goals effectively um, um, really important as well, I think, to make them compelling, um, make people, you know, m make them useful rather than a, a, a 
a chain around their neck you know okay no, that's brilliant but moving on from that then what what techniques do you give your clients to help them manage the stress of that big event that they're going to well um i, I mean teaching people to correct things you know to, to correctly appraise events you know and, and not catastrophizing for example um, um you know making sure that they're their beliefs their cognitions about the demands of the event and so on are 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 correct are correct and and healthy and you know that they're that they're not um um that they're not engaging in any sort of cognitive distortions or you know thinking errors um and and and, and that they're learning to be progressive with their internal dialogue um you know preparations are really important um helping people get comfortable in their surroundings you know um golfers always get to play a couple of rounds on a competition course before the tournament you know race drivers you know have a couple of days of prep before qualifying and so on um i'm um, even uh, you know mo farah ran um half of london marathon back in 2013 just to familiarize himself with proceedings and, and the atmosphere before he ran it the first time in full the following year so sometimes you know knowledge of the environment um, um and aiding um, or overcoming a little bit of uncertainty can help with with over intensity um uh, but also you know knowing what you can control um you know i i was i was probably in the best shape of my life ever in the the 2007 um london marathon and was aiming for a personal best it was going to be the first time um i'd ever i'd ever gone sub 3 hours for a marathon but it was just it was just incredibly hot it was the hottest one on record at the time they ran out of water for for the people in the second half of the race you know it was it, it was quite a traumatic event for some people um and, and ultimately you just can't control that so getting stressed with regards to something along those lines but in advance knowing you know we can control our own behavior our own physical condition our own motivation but we can't control other people's behaviors or attitudes or thoughts. Um, and we can't control the performance of others or, or the weather, you know, or the organization of the event. But I think you know, importantly, and probably what's what's slightly more useful um, to people tuning in, you know, physical tools, um, you know, kind of somatic types of techniques in combination with things like self-hypnosis. Um, you know, so the kind of techniques that a lot of um, my clients, my, my athlete and sports clients learn in the sessions with me that they can then import into that, that real life environment. Sometimes we ask um, um, runners or, or lifters, um, you know, weightlifters to imagine they have plugs in the soles of their feet and they're able to um, um, imagine um, over intensity or over arousal, as it's often referred to in the literature, um, as, as a colour or as a sense that, that floods out of their feet until they get to optimum levels, for example. And, you know, breathing associated with with self hypnosis techniques as, as means of calming down um, and helping with over intensity um, and, and, and things of that that kind of ilk. I mean, you know, with a lot of somatic techniques, they require a certain degree of self-awareness, you know, using the, the, the insular um, region of the brain, for example, um, and having a good degree of self-awareness. So sometimes, you know, connecting with one's own breathing, connecting with one's own heartbeat, you know, to tune into where you're at and become aware, hands over a bit more control with our ability to be able to, to self-regulate, self-soothe and, and so on. 
That's really interesting because yeah, because I'm 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 sort of curious about those times. You, know, you see it on the TV, the sort of footballers, other sports where you know everything's going well, and then there's a referee's decision goes against them, or something happens, there's some distraction, and they lose that focus, and suddenly you know it's a Steve Davis moment, moment again. <laughs> you know, presumably you'd suggest using some of these techniques you're mentioning to kind of regain their concentration, regain control over that focus. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, th- I think prevention is, is the best place to start. So, you know, as, as clinicians, as clinicians in the therapy environment, for example, we, you know, relapse prevention is, is something that's really important to us. You know, someone's come to see us to stop smoking, for example, um, and then they that they find themselves in a place where, you know, they, they lose concentration for a moment or forget where they are or they've had a couple of drinks and someone offers them a cigarette, for example, you know. I'm um, um, training them um, and and building into our treatment plan relapse prevention is a good place to start. So having a certain degree of self-awareness and, and recognition skills um, in order that somebody can can recognize what's happening to them when it happens. You know, mm. um, um, it, it's, it's easier said than done because, you know, hot emotions ultimately you know um, hot emotions anger um, um in particular or or stress of certain kinds you know that they inhibit the the upper regions of the brain you know if your amygdala is firing um, um and hippocampus is firing for example then you know the, the top regions of our brain the prefrontal cortex where we think all our logic rational thoughts and where we engage in self-control gets closed down and and we have less access to that so um i'm helping you know so 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 very often these are these are automated responses and what we want to be able to do is is train our sporting individuals to have enough self-awareness enough self-recognition um and understand um and, and have contingency plans for potential unexpected events and very often you know we'll, we'll kind of set those things in place with with certain problem solving therapy protocols um, um in order that we've got contingency plans in place but then you know just as you said things you know to, to be able to to self-regulate things to be able to apply to ourselves um, um, um in those times and get ourselves back on track you know if if you have been good good goal you know good and goal focused within your training program the chances are that those, those goals and that that degree of focus will be will be at the forefront of one's mind and being able to remind ourselves of our motivations um, um, is a good place to start and bring ourselves back um, as far as distractions and as far as you know regaining our concentration is concerned. I I also think you know um, self-hypnosis for example is is very similar to what's often referred to in 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 a lot of the literature as, as, as a flow state. So we teach, um, you know, and and a lot of sports people, you know, love being in that flow state. They perform at their best when they are not thinking too critically. Um, um, So, you know, sometimes getting getting knocked off of that and thinking too much can actually be problematic. So therefore, you know, teaching the skills of being able to engage in self-hypnosis and and regain that kind of position of, of flow within one's sport, within one's activity is a really useful thing. You know, they've got a they've got some very similar kind of phenomenological qualities as far as self-hypnosis and flow states are concerned. And a lot of sports naturally instigate that you know running for long periods of time you know it, it's you know it can almost be a byproduct a flow state you know um um the same with a lot of a, a lot of team sports for example okay brilliant um the problem with sports is that it often hurts 
So how do you help sports people deal with the pain? Yeah, well, you know, you know, I, I mean, dependent upon whether we're working, you know, within within the sport, within the sporting activity as it occurs, or if we're talking, you know, post event, you know, so with with pain, um, um, I, I would be treating it pretty much the same as I would treat it with anyone else, um, um, um you know, and and you know, hypnosis is a great evidence base and a great capacity to help with with, with pain relief. Um, so post event pain and pain that exists outside of the, the the sport, I'd be working on clinically as I would usually with 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 any patient citing pain related issues. But but you know, working with athletes who require assistance with reducing pain, I, I mean, um, from my own personal experience, for example, um, you know, I used to run ultra marathons and uh, you know when you've run 75 miles and you know that you still have another 25 miles to run you know you've got to run another marathon um you know and usually across some hills your body is full of cortisol and fatigue and stress and blisters very often mm-hmm. um, and pain of all kinds and you're, you're hungry for the wrong stuff you know that there's, there's a lot that you need to be able to do then um, a real hero of mine, a lady who came and um, lectured at the UK hypnosis convention that I run last year. Um, I'm in the 1970s and 80s. Um, um, she worked with Ernest Hilgard, uh, a famed researcher. She, she's based at the University of Budapest today, but her name is Eva Banye. And she, she, she worked uh, within the clinical environment and had her clients and patients and research participants um, be cycling um, stationary bicycles at the same time as, as, as engaging with hypnosis. And, and, and really created and pioneered active alert hypnosis protocols. And, and just showed that, you know, hypnosis is not dependent upon someone being relaxed with their eyes closed, for example. You know, um, um, it, it did not require that. So um, 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 we teach a lot of active alert hypnosis protocols in order that while people are engaging in their, their sport or their athletic endeavor, whatever it may be, they're able to, to work on the go. Um, um, and that might be uh, with with you know a wide range of different sort of pain relieving types of processes. Um, typically, one of the things that that, that I teach uh, um, um, that, that the people that I work with um, for 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 you know, you know especially for endurance sports where pain is going to be there and and working with working with pain and working with our perception of pain and the perception of effort. Um, is 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 always going to be there you know very often the people that do the best in endurance sports are the ones that can endure the the, the discomfort um, um the best you know so um i'm giving them you know a, a bunch of protocols um in particular we we start them with with teaching things like like a glove anesthesia um protocol where they can create numbness um but then turn that into colors and sensations which gets magnified with self-hypnosis that they can move um to other parts of their body with a lot of our runners for example we we do self-hypnosis induced springy legs or ask them to imagine their legs are moving automatically like a machines um, um or, or that they adopt you know or step into the shoes of someone who's running really lightly and bouncy um, inside of their mind um yeah there's a wide range of different techniques that what we're seeking to do is um 
um, you know, shift them out of the, 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 the discomfort that they're in and put them into a different frame without them dissociating. So a lot of sort of club level runners or club level athletes um, or, or novices use a lot of distraction when it comes to pain. You know, they'll listen to music. They'll, they'll, they'll look, at, want, look at things that are going on around them or they'll have, you know, random thoughts that they will lose themselves in, for example. Um, um, elite athletes and, and, and high quality athletes typically need to associate. They need to know how much it is safe for them to push themselves really hard. And so, um, you know, we don't want them to engage in self hypnosis protocols and active alert hypnosis protocols that are going to um, that are that are going to dissociate them and, and, and have them lose track of who and how they are. Really helpful. Yeah. I mean, in the films, we have that kind of hero's journey where our lucky protagonist kind of wins the day you know despite all obstacles but you know in real life you know most of the runners is you know something like as big as the london marathon they don't win they just try not to get photographed with the guy in the banana suit so how do you help people ordinary people to be coming back and keep training you know to perform better next time but those guys but sally those guys are a different type of winner (laughs) so yeah you know so um, um, of course, you know, you know um, um, only one guy can win, you know, the, the marathon out of the 50,000 people that that, <laughs> that, are, that are there and so on. So, so you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, um, um, performance goals um, and and also, you know, people having a, a sense of of purpose, you know, a purpose that is fueling them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, um, um, I find um, um I find that a lot of the people that I work with are very interested in in, in their own statistics and and becoming becoming a, a field in and of themselves and experiment mm-hmm. on and seeing what it, what it is that they can do in terms of time and in terms of statistics and and age ranking and things like that. But you know, um, um, but also you know, a, a sort of byproduct really of 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 good evidence-based approaches to, to hypnosis and hypnotherapy will, will, will tend to be, especially if you're if you're promoting the teaching of, of self-hypnosis to, to, to patients, to clients, to, to athletes and sports people. Um, um, you know, a byproduct is very often, you know, self-efficacy, but it's also a secondary goal, a secondary aim to boost self-efficacy. So what I mean by that is um, within sports in particular, um, a man called Albert Bandura in the 70s, 80s, 90s really sort of drove this notion of when you have confidence in your own ability, those abilities will will naturally raise. You know, when when you have certain expectations of your own performance, you're you're likely to, you know, you're you're much more likely to to attain those those positive expectations. So self-efficacy is whereby you know outcomes, the outcomes are driven greatly as a result of our our belief in our ability to achieve those outcomes so you know fostering and seeking to to make self-efficacy a, a sub goal if you like and 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 have people driven and motivated to want to do better and want to increase their confidence in their own ability to do better and you know make the competition um, um th- themselves and what they are capable of doing and, and frame things in, in that way um is is, is something that, that that can bring a lot of joy a lot of drive a lot of inspiration and so on um, um absolutely okay that's interesting 
So what projects are you working on at the moment, then? Have you got any exciting developments coming up? Yeah, well, um, at Bournemouth University currently, uh, we've been, um, we we spend a lot of time in the psychology labs there. And um, we, we're currently engaged in using um, self-hypnosis to inhibit the Stroop effect. It's a, it's a cognitive um, a cognitive process whereby you know you 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 are shown a word on a screen, and if it's a congruent word, i.e., if the word red comes up and it's in red ink, it's very easy for you to to press the button of what color ink it is. So when you're tasked with with pressing um, the button that is the color of the ink, um, um, and and a range of words and neutral words come up. Um, um, a lot of people find that when the word red comes up, it's difficult for them to, to put the, the reading of the word red to one side because the word red is interfering with the fact that they're trying to work out the color of the ink, especially if the color of the ink is blue. Uh, if, the, if the color of the ink is blue or yellow, um, there's a delay. And that delay is called Stroop interference. Um, and and this is you know a kind of gold standard cognitive process. And you know back in the back in the late nineteen eighties, early nineties, a man called Amir Raz showed that you could use hypnosis and give people suggestions that would inhibit this effect. It would it would almost remove it this interference. So even if the word was red and the ink was blue, you'd just ignore the word red and you would just be able to hit the blue button. Um, so what we've been we've been using self hypnosis to recreate that the same effects. Um, but what's been really interesting and important for us is that we've been looking at the amount of effort that people apply, and we do that with pupillometry. So uh, we put them in what looks like a torture device where it locks their head still, and um, and we measure the size of their pupils to see how much effort they are applying. Because with with a characteristic of, of hetero hypnosis is that when people respond to hypnotic suggestions, they do it automatically with 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 very little volition. So there's very little effort. Um, and typically, you know, their responses are involuntary, whereas with self hypnosis, you know, and you've got no no one delivering the suggestions to you. It, it tends to be more effortful. So, yeah, that's one of the projects that we're we're involved with at the moment. Um, and, and that's of interest to at least three other humans on this planet. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's very popular. And uh, we're applying our, our self-hypnosis protocol to, to strength training. Um, and, and I have the UK Hypnosis Convention, um, um, which uh, which comes up in addition to all of the other things that I do. When's that? When's that next schedule for? It's it's in November each year. It's in um, uh, this year's is November the the tenth to the twelfth. Uh, we have Darren Brown coming this year, uh, which a lot of people are excited about. I'm going to be interviewing him on the subject of hypnosis. But 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 even more important, you know, um, we bring a lot of um, really prolific and seminal authors and researchers from all over the world. Uh, we have a lady called Amanda Barnier coming from Australia. Um, um, who's done you know, a huge amount of research using hypnosis to, to try and understand the nature of delusion, a variety of different delusions. Um, hypno you know, it's very difficult to do research on people that have delusions, for example. You know? mm. So one of the things that hypnosis can do is it can create the delusions uh, within somebody uh, in order for you to then uh, you know, um, assess them and research them and so on. Um, we have Stephen, a guy called Stephen Lynn, 
um, um, who's uh, you know a very prolific, uh, very prolific hypnosis researcher coming over from the US. Um, and, and, and every year we do the same. You know, we bring a bunch of academics over, um, as well as you know having some some people that that are frontline hypnotherapists and psychologists and so on. And um, yeah, you know, it's um, it's something that, that that I love it when it happens. It's just the uh, the organizing that is the the, the pain. You must be right in the throes of it now. <laughs> we, we really are, yes. <laughs> well, it's you know, thank you so much for sparing the time. You know, the, the convention does look amazing. I've had a look at you know the speakers that you've got coming up and all the things that you're doing. Can I just say I have written down embedding memories of the future because I think that's the most wonderful phrase. <laughs> I, I should be using that all week. <laughs> when yeah, I can. yeah, yeah, yeah. Creating future memories. You know. It's yes, that's it. Great. Yeah. Crossing the line at a marathon, um, um, and or just you know setting out setting out to run a, you know, a nine minute mile on a training run or whatever it may be, you know, mm. um, it, yeah. Creating future memories is a, is a really cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. And you can find information about our other podcasts on our website, afsfh.com, where you'll also find articles, information and resources. There's of course our solution focused hypnotherapist directory, where you'll be able to look through the profiles of fully qualified members and choose just the right therapist for you. So that's about it for this podcast. Next time we'll be turning our attention to, I'm going to say it, Christmas, because it is coming and we'll be out in December. And we'll be looking into common stresses around that festive season and offering some practical tips to help you cope and even maybe enjoy it. Wow. Anyway, so it's goodbye from our guest, Adam Eason. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. And for me, Sally Hare. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Eddles. So. Hi. Bye.